this always happen? I like don't we can't know. have any. We need to edit. Serious More good editing. non-edited. Should we start over? Mm. Do it again. Peanut butter applesauce. Say it one more time. Project your voice, Jess. Peanut butter applesauce. You gonna keep doing that? Peanut butter applesauce. Peanut butter applesauce. Peanut butter applesauce. Peanut butter applesauce. Don't uh, put that that's in the definitely podcast. Going <laughs> Don't put in. that in the podcast. <laughs> I have a couple of quotes to start us out for the evening. Okay. Enlighten me. Okay. Um you know how much I like good earth tea. Yes. Because you buy it for me. Mm-hmm. All right, I have some quotes that come on the Good Earth Tea Bag. Tea wisdom. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Anything you learn from your tea. <laughs> 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 we'll edit that out. Yes, please. Okay, Um, I have three that I've saved. Here's a good one. Only those who dare to fail greatly can ever achieve greatly. Oh, man, my voice cracked. Try it again, babe. Just try it again. <coughs> Project your voice. Uh, only those who dare to fail greatly can ever achieve greatly. You know? Do you know who said that? Well, I think I read the teabag. Robert F. Kennedy. I know. Okay, here's another one. Every accomplishment starts with the decision to try. Yes, which is why we're doing this podcast tonight. Do you know who said that one? Unknown. He's you so read it. smart. Well, I'm you sitting right next to you. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> okay, the last one is super cheesy, but okay. I thought it was pretty good. Cheese is good. Okay. Aspire? <laughs> Sorry. No, try again. <laughs> well, Aspire? Aspire to inspire before you expire. Mm-hmm. You're not getting any younger. Also, that one is said by... The same smart guy. Unknown. Unknown. Yeah. Good job, unknown. Do you like those ones? I do. Okay, let's just start like saying by saying, I love you, beautiful wife. I love you, Abe. Oh, okay. Good I start. love your wolf shirt that no one can see. I know. It's two wolves howling at the moon. Three. Oh, there's three of them. Yeah. I just noticed that. It's teal. Yeah. Thanks, babe. Tie-dye teal, kind yeah, of. Tie-dye teal. Anyway, you can check that out on Instagram. I told you not to post it, and you totally did. <laughs> I thought you said you can make a meme and post that up. What did you think you said? That, but I was joking. Oh, well, <laughs> nothing new. <laughs> this is Alaska DIY. Alaska DIY. <laughs> All right. Um, so... How do you, this is the part I always struggle with is like, we have a conversation where we happen to be talking into microphones, but then if somebody else hears it at some point, you need to address the listener to say, Hey, we're here having a converse. I'm here having a conversation with my lovely wife, Jessica. Hello. And my, my partner on this planet. Yeah. My, the, that's me. Jess. The awesome mama bear of our five wildlings. Mm-hmm. And I just thought because, well, for a few reasons. One, there's been a lot of interest. I've got to edit this out. Okay. Do <laughs> I don't even know. No, it's fine. Okay. There's <laughs> been, like, I've started to put out there that with through the Alaska DIY thing that I'm going to start a podcast. And then and what we've done in the last year, um, moving to Alaska. Mm-hmm. And... With me going back to guiding full time. 
Right. And also living in a trailer for Mm -hmm. about six months out of the year. A few people have asked some questions about that. Yeah. Like, who is Jess? Like, what does she do? How how awesome is she? Yeah. And the answer is amazingly awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, So I thought, hey, we should sit down and tell our story a little bit just in case people are curious. Yeah. And I am not nervous at all. It is it is a weird thing. It is. To have a microphone stuffed in your face and mm-hmm. then try to be, act really normal. Right. And genuine. But yes. I will be. And I just get goofy most of the time. That's the easier way to do it than yeah. to It's really a fear-based response, I think. And I don't I don't do fear. That's getting You don't do fear? Mm-mm. If I'm afraid of something, I say, "What am I afraid of?" And I try and tackle that just like you tackle bears no i'm afraid of bears <laughs> i just haven't actually ran into one to be able to like face my fear oh okay i carry bear spray a lot even when they're hibernating that's good to always be prepared always be prepared so i thought that we would take this time to tell our story okay let's do it let's do it okay so how does our t- well first okay let's talk about your goal for this summer with the kids. Okay, my new goal? Yeah. Okay. So me and the kids are going to take off in the RV here at the end of April. And it'll be a little bit too early for Kings, but getting close. Yeah, and some of the s- rivers on the south end of the Kenai Peninsula. Yeah. Mid, late, mid to late May, they'll start running. So right. you got a few but weeks. Word on the street here in Anchorage, Alaska, is that... We can maybe catch sea run kings off the, the, I don't know, rocks <laughs> in sewer. Okay, what's the goal? Ah, oh, right. The goal. Uh, salmon slam. Five salmon species in Alaska, and each kid catch them all, including myself, this summer. So that is going to be a total of 30 individual salmon. Right. Because there's you plus five kids is six times five species of salmon. And assuming you'll catch more than that, but right, what would be awesome and what the what we're shooting for is to have a board on the wall, mm-hmm. like of a collage, camper. yeah, right, and have a picture of every kid, right, inc- plus you, with each species, with your own fish of each of the five species of salmon. Yeah, salmon slam. There you go. That'll be Boom. fun. Yeah, first first full summer with all of the kids in Alaska, salmon slam. And I've invited a few friends to meet us out there and do it with us. So for sure, we'll see. Do you know all five species? If I, uh, yes, I I think I do. King, silvers, reds, pinks, and chum. You got it. Or dog. Yeah, dog. Since you're going with the slang names. Okay. See, no, I good. know I cross back and forth. You know, you totally <laughs> had it. Okay. So there's like, I don't know how the names. There's two names for every Pacific salmon. Right. And I think I know it's Chinook and King. Right. Uh, Silver and... Do you remember our friend's dog's name? Coho. Got it. Good. And then Red and... So maybe I only know Kings. pointing to my... (laughs) Foot? Red and... I don't know. Sock eye salmon. <laughs> as soon as you like said sock, as soon sock, as I you knew say it, it I know, I know. Okay, red and sock eye. Okay. Pinks are humpies. Oh yeah, good call. And chums are dogs. Yeah. Okay, because you feed them to your dog. I think so, actually. Uh, yeah, I they're, know they do that here. I still can't believe it. I think they're one of the coolest ones, coolest looking 
um, salmon when they turn colors. They're the ones that have kind of the purplish, dark black, big bars, like mm-hmm. dark, or dark green. Mm-hmm. I don't know what color. They're cool. Yeah. They got the big like tiger stripe looking cool. sides on them. Right you know on. what I'm talking about? Uh, I mean, I know that the, I know fish that look like that, like bass kind of have that, but I've never seen. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you a picture. Yeah. And the big males get big hook jaws, kind of like the sockeyes, but they yeah. get bigger. Cool. Yeah, they're cool. Right on. So you guys all found so Malachi. Yeah. His goal is to do it all on a fly rod. Right. A fly rod. And he's definitely adding rainbow and Dolly Varden and grayling, which I think he'll do. Yeah. And but But at least for the little kids, we're sticking to the salmon slam. It'll be super fun. So we yeah. have five-year-old twins, and I'm excited to see pictures of them each holding one of the five species, including king salmon, which they can totally do. Yeah. Well, and I thought, like, me and Malachi and Josiah can do that pretty easily, probably. Hey, let's run I mean, through our kids easily. really quick, okay. just so people know. You, won't, you don't have to remember there won't be a quiz, but my name's Abe. I'm Jess. Our oldest son is Malachi, and he's 14 years old. And then there's Josiah, who's 12. Hazel is 8 years old. It's our little girl. Then there's Hadley, the boy twin. And Adelaide, the girl twin, and the twins are 5. Yeah. Okay, so that's our kids. Sorry, I cut you off. What were you saying? That's the crew. That's it. Oh, I was thinking that like they'll need a little bit of help yes. getting fish in, so we'll have to help them with the slam, but... Malachi's a good it's a helper good too. It's a good goal. For sure. And okay. we will all be cramming into our, tw- I say 27 foot yeah, trailer. Yeah, 26 or 27. I don't know. It's it doesn't 26. Matter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's We're talking about a foot. Uh, travel trailer. It's a J flight. Yeah, it is. Uh, we'll be, we'll all be moving into that in about three weeks. Yeah. Well, I'm a actually, little nervous. We got a lot to do. <laughs> yeah. We're in a, this winter we've spent in a cabin. Mm-hmm. That we that we rented for the winter, a beautiful cabin nestled in the mountains just above Anchorage. And that has been, it's been, in fact, we're sitting at the kitchen table right now. Yep. It's been a really it's been lovely a really place. It's been amazing place to be. It mm-hmm. has. And, but we are, will be moving out mm-hmm. the last week of April. Actually, you will be moving out while I am on Kodiak guiding a brown bear hunt. Yeah, brown bears. I think that's usually when people ask you. So what does your wife do when they know you hunt brown bears? Maybe that's how this conversation got started. What do you do? Well, I keep track of the kids. And while we're here in Alaska, we're going to be doing a lot of fishing because I don't hunt, but I do enjoy fishing. Yeah. And I think what people really wonder is, do I worry? Right. (laughs) Or am I nervous? And I think I have been a lot, but at the same time, like, you can either worry about it or just wait and see what happens. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like you have a greater chance of getting in an accident, a serious car accident on your way to work in the morning. Just as good or worse odds, better odds. I don't know. Sure. Higher odds of, mm-hmm. of getting in a serious accident than you do of, of being attacked or mauled by a bear. Yeah, Even let me ask you this question. How yes. many car accidents have you been in? One that did not involve another vehicle. How many times have you been charged by a brown bear? One. Interesting. Also did You're not still involve here. <laughs> another vehicle. I don't know. Okay. So anyway, mama worries a little bit. Yeah. But you're get. I feel like you're getting better. I am. I am. Yeah. I think knowing that you survived one charge was a pretty good. Well, if you've done it once, maybe you can do it again. Yeah, maybe. You I hope so. Yeah. 
So. Okay. Anyway. <clears throat> but we're going to move it. You're going to be moving into the trailer with the kids. Moving into the trailer while you're hunting. And Mama Bear. Got it. Well, that's Jessica's nickname because she feels deep. Right. Is this, yeah. is that embarrassing to say? No, I don't no, care. We, no. Yeah. Like, I identify with that. Yeah. Identify. The kids call me Mama Bear. Yeah. You identify with a Mama Bear, even though mm -hmm. you're afraid of bears. Yeah. Even though I hunt bears. It's actually it's kind of paradoxical. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it also kind of comes around. Like when you killed that black mama bear last year, like I had a real connection to the story of you taking her. And then, um, yeah, I felt really great about eating that and eating her meat and feeding that to the kiddos. And I think that as much as they scare me, I also feel rather connected. Is that a thing? Can you be connected to the things you fear? Yes. And I think you can also kill the things that you love. Yeah. And that's a really weird thing to wrap my mind around. Right. And it's a really weird thing, I think, for a lot of non-hunters to understand. And I think that the the kind of crowd that I've gravitated towards in my past has had that misunderstanding of hunting and that I've kind of had to stand in the middle of them and what you do and be somewhat of a bridge. And so I really hold all of that really carefully and consciously and I value our food and I connect somehow with the critters through you. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I just guess maybe it's less fear and more respect in a way. Connection. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the mama bear that you're referring to that I killed last year was in Idaho and that was a meat hunt, purely a meat hunt. Mm -hmm. um, we had put a bunch of game in the freezer the previous fall with the kids hunting. And when we got to like April, oh, yeah. early May, we were almost out of meat in the right. freezer. We were eating, just was, plowing yeah. through the white wrap. And the kids were getting older. The boys were getting mm -hmm. older, kind of more into teenage years and just eating a lot more food. And the twins were getting older and eating mm -hmm. a lot more food. So we needed food. We needed groceries. And, and so I said, Hey, instead of going to the grocery store and buying meat, spring bear is right around the corner. I'll just buy an out of state Idaho tag and go bear hunting. Right. And that's what that trip was. And basically the first bear, you know, adult bear without cubs that I saw, I was going to shoot and bring back to the family and mm -hmm. butcher. And we love, love eating black bear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and also too, I think that's an interesting thing that you say you were going grocery hunting or whatever. And, um, but you were also like taking care of yourself by getting out in the mountains and mm. doing what you need to do to be sane, right. To be come back to us and be sane. So that's another important part of it. But I also remember the aspect of it being spring and you really needing to get out and just what that quick trip to Idaho would offer you as a way of like coming out from the winter, you know, and being able to get out and hike and take a long trip. That yeah. too is important. No, for sure. We've been married for 15 going on 16 years now. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I learned, well, we learned together in the last few years, three or four years, it's, it was pretty recently is that I get stir crazy if I don't get into the mountains every month to six weeks, I kind of, I kind of can snap a little bit yeah. and I just need out of town, out of the house, out mm -hmm. of job, out of everything. Right. I need to escape to the mountains. Right. And realizing that was really good for right. me yeah. and being able to vocalize it to you 
And so that like when it was happening, I could just give it words instead right. of like, because before that, I feel like I felt that way. I felt kind of this built up tension, but I didn't know what the release was or I didn't understand what it was that I needed. I just felt kind of crazy in my head a little bit and very mm-hmm. unsettled or restless. Now I know I just need to go to the mountains and even just an overnight hiking trip sometimes is all it is about every month to six weeks. And you've been awesome about letting me do that. Right. Or understanding my need for that. Right. I really appreciate that. The other thing that you've been really incredible about is just letting me go hunting. Yeah. And I guess when, so when you were on that radio show the other morning and those guys were like really complimentary, like, well, we want to hear from your wife and does she have a sister and stuff like that? And, and that's all like really complimentary. And I understand that they think that I have some sort of like strength, but I think that any partner in a relationship has the opportunity to support each other or to find some way to help each other find their truth, you know? And I think we've just been fortunate enough to have that experience, but I think every, you know, man or woman has it within them to dig deep and try and support someone else. Well, and no, I don't have a sister. So that's (laughs) kind of what I'm getting at is I don't have a sister, but if you have a partner, you're in a place where you can try and support someone else and someone else can try and support you. Yeah, right. definitely. I Well, it, it kind of seems to me like the timing that we really discovered, this might have been similar to the timing I discovered. I mean, there was a, the last few years for us have been really like, what, do I want, what am I trying to say? We've grown a lot right. individually and as as a couple, like in our relationship together in the last, I would say three years. Would you say that's right? Yeah, I think so. But it kind of makes sense because as individuals, we are what we bring to the partnership, right? to the marriage. And so in that time, we started getting really good. In my opinion, we really figured out how to, how to be supportive for each other and give each other what we needed. And what I needed was I needed to get away. Like I needed to go hunting, I need, this was, and just for clarification, because I know folks are listening and and saying, I thought you were a guide in Alaska. I took four years off right? in the middle, four or five. I took several years off where when the twins were born, uh, I knew that I couldn't leave in the fall for three months and go guide in Alaska while you had two twin infant twins at home. And Hazel wasn't even three yet. Hazel wasn't three yet. So there there was a lot. So I took that fall off and then I took this following spring off and then I just kind of realized, hey, I need to get a real job and pay some bills. And this is our young family is a lot of responsibility and definitely was a lot of of challenging, hard work, long hours, late nights uh, for you. And I didn't want to leave you in that that situation. Mm -hmm. And so that became basically four years. Right. Four and a half years. Which was when I started finally feeling like the twins were old enough that I wasn't like sleep deprived and had recovered from that. You know what I mean? That's when I started to feel like, oh man, I can think. Like I'm a person. I can ask for what I need. Before that, you're in some kind of fog. Well, I've joked around with my sister-in-law who has twins that it is a twin fog. You are in this portal of two babies where you can't quite ever see clearly yeah or you, and you're years. just so tired that you just give 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 um whatever they need whatever the family needs and then when you start to restore you're like i have needs too or i have a feeling i can think 
Yeah. And I think that's when we started to say like, okay, what do we both need? Mm. I think the really beautiful thing for us is that we discovered that we wanted to live a life of abundance or at least carry that mindset with us and support each other from that perspective. Right. And I think I have friends and I know you, we, you have some friends too. And in talking with them, it's like, they don't get to go, the guys don't get to go hunting as much as they want to Mm -hmm. because it's hard for them to get permission from their wives to leave the house and be gone from the family for that amount of time. And I, you have always been awesome and supportive, but I think that we got really good at that when we discovered, um, this coming at that problem, you know, from a place of there's a, there's enough love, enough commitment, enough willingness to support the other person that I want you to do what you want to do. And it had to come from both of us for it to really work. Yeah. And I think for me, if I were to be like really honest, that went back to 10 years ago when we first came to Alaska and we experienced the beauty up here um, and the birth of our son, Ezra, who then, how much? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, so then we headed back home. We were only up here for the summer. It was kind of a way to just blow off you being in school. Abe had just finished his master's degree at Gonzaga in Spokane and just needed something wild, bad. And so we came up to Alaska where some friends said, hey, come, there's work. You can stay with us. Made it easy. We got an apartment. And then right after Ezra was born up here, Abe, you just started feeling like something said, go home. Like you have to go home. Yeah. Well, I was building houses and one day I was coming home from work in the, in the truck with the boss. We were building a cabin remote. So we were all driving back to town together and I just had this overwhelming urge that I had to quit my job right now and we needed to go home and I couldn't explain it or anything like that. But I got out of the truck, grabbed my tool bag, said, I'm sorry, I'm quitting my job. It was the end of the season frame. We were already wrapping up the project. And I, you know, walked in the house and said, Hey, I just quit my job. And we had not, I'd never mentioned a thing about it. We thought we were going to, yeah, we thought we were going to stay in Homer for another month or so. Um, At least. Yeah. And three days later we were packing up and driving home. So the beauty in that, in you following your intuition was that Ezra died of SIDS when we got back to Spokane, um, when he was two months old. So we had him for eight weeks. I carried him for nine months in my tummy and um, a beautiful little baby boy who just didn't get to stay long. But in his death, I think I realized that <clears throat> the meaning of life was like we could discover it from listening to our deepest intuition. And I remember still to this day, like having this mantra in my head of just your deepest intuition, just honor your deepest intuition. And I think for you, that had so much to do with hunting and the mountains. And so even though I felt super vulnerable and not even sure how I would find my own truth, besides waking up every day to at least make toast for Josiah, who was two, and would get me out of bed every day to say, you know, I'm hungry. Um, I didn't know how to honor my own truth necessarily in those moments, but I at least knew that I could give you your opportunity to find truth you know and that I think at the time that was duck hunting you found duck hunting and so those weren't long days away 
But that was when you came home and said, I'm going to fulfill my boyhood dream of being a guide in Alaska. And I felt like, okay, <laughs> you know, like that seems truth for you. So I hope you find that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it was, I, you know, you're talking about not, you know, having a hard time finding your truth. I remember in the aftermath of Ezra's death, one being completely, completely crushed i mean as you as anyone could imagine but until you feel the weight of that despair it's hard to it's it's kind of indescribable Mm -hmm. um i remember feeling though like i didn't even know what to do like how to think about the next few hours or tomorrow like it was oh yeah there was just like all i can all i can handle in my mind right now is what i'm doing at this moment Mm -hmm. you know and that o- over time through the healing process, I, I, I was able to start thinking farther and farther ahead, but right. it took, I remember it taking oh, like a time. year to a 18 months before I could plan more than what's after tomorrow. Right. That was really hard. But the duck hunting you're talking about, I had just gotten into duck hunting was actually, I actually put a verbal agreement, made a verbal agreement to buy um, a dog the night before Ezra oh, died. Do you yeah. remember that? So I was I getting do. into duck hunting as kind of my new hunting passion. You're right. Because when we were in Homer, we met that super rad dog. And we mm-hmm. were like, what kind of dog is this? Yeah. yeah. So that winter, I started duck hunting by myself with my pup. Or no, sorry. I'm ahead of myself. Yeah, because remember you had to pull out. They, that yes. they couldn't honor. You called and said, we've had a family tragedy. And they said, I'm so sorry, but we can't yeah. wait for you to make a payment or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, no, well, we, I got a dog that, shortly after that, a different yes. dog from a different breeder who was kind of an older puppy that was the last one in the litter. So I, I hunted with him that fall. He was just a, he was like, I don't know, eight or 10 months old, I think. Yeah. And he was the best. He was the best. But anyway, I was learning to duck hunt, didn't know what I was doing. So I was sitting on the water, watching the sun come up with this puppy that I was trying to teach how to duck hunt. And it was such a wonderful distraction but at the same time, what do you need to do? I need to grab a blanket. I'm freezing. Are you cold? Okay. Yeah, go for it. It was such a wonderful distraction. But I think the most important part of that experience for me was just watching the sun come up. Mm-hmm. And I would sit in the duck blind on the water after throwing out decoys in the dark. And I would just get to watch the sun come up. And throughout the winter, which is for me, historically, has been a difficult time of year. Um, and one time while I was out there doing this by myself, I met a guy who was coming to the lake a little bit late, late also by himself and snuck up on my decoys Mm -hmm. just before shooting light. And he pops up and we see each other and he was like, Oh man, I didn't know you're here. (laughs) He was, you know, he was putting the stock on my decoys waiting for shooting light. And I just said, Hey, I'm hunting by myself. I see, you know, obviously he was alone. I was like, I don't mind. You want to hunt here? That's totally cool. And he was a young guy. And his, by the name of Greg Springer. Yeah, I was going to say, so, say his name. <laughs> yeah, Greg's a good dude. He's a fishing guide. So uh, Greg and I got to know each other pretty quickly. Uh, hunting, duck, Started duck hunting together a little bit. And later that winter, we had this awesome hunt uh, on a lake in, in, in eastern Washington. It was all frozen over, and we shot a bunch of birds sitting on the ice shelf, a little hole of open water. And he started telling me stories about guiding in Alaska as a fishing guide. 
And to me, it kind of awoken something within me in this memory of being a boy or, you know, like a teenager, especially, and having this dream of moving, going to Alaska and becoming a hunting guide. Seemed like the coolest job to me in the world. So I came home that day and told Jess, like, I, I used to have this dream of becoming a hunting guide, and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but I think I want to do this. And I just remember feeling so overwhelmingly grateful and kind of shocked that you were totally cool with it. You were just like, oh, yeah, you should totally do that. Yeah. But I think what was important for both of us was that we had just lost our son. And for me, it, through that experience, I, I learned that so many of these cliches that we throw around in life, they became so true. Right. So, you know, the whole follow your dreams, seize the day, life right. is short, all this stuff that, you know, gets kicked around without a second thought and is taken for, a lot of times taken for granted in the hustle and bustle of life were shockingly valid and weighty in their importance mm -hmm. because we had just lost one of the most important things in our entire life. Right. And all of a sudden I felt like, what am I doing? Right. You just ask like the hardest questions imaginable when you're in that place. Like you lose a conscious string of thought and everything just becomes kind of this open wondering you're so hurt and I think we were brave enough to stay with our honesty in that time whether we knew what we were doing or not I think we had just enough support for each other that we could kind of stay in those really hard moments mm -hmm. and honor ourselves and honor each other and try hard to come out of it better and I think I still can't say enough how important it was for me that we already had Malachi and Josiah and just my desire to like not take away from them having a good, rich, meaningful life and somehow still show up for them on a daily basis, even though I was hurting. And you've got that just has to be like building the strongest muscles possible in human will to just show up every day, even when you're hurting. And I, I just recently read from an acquaintance who we know who also suffered a really tough loss, how she used, she lives, she, she lives with unimaginable pain still 10 years later, her wife died near the same time Ezra died and that it's her fuel. Like it just became fuel. And I, uh, to me, that strikes me so strong that, that I, I think that that's what, our hardship became our fuel to just do well and be well. What did you, what did you say she said? I forget uh, what it she was. She lives with unimaginable pain or lives alongside unimaginable pain, but it could her pain could either become her baggage or her fuel. That's right. So choose fuel, you know? Yeah, and I think that in hindsight looking back, that's we, we've done a good job of that. Yeah, and, and do you feel, though, like part of me doesn't want to take credit for it because what else would we have done? But we did it, and so I guess we should, but... No, I don't feel like we deserve any credit yeah. for it. I just feel like we were very hurt and very confused, and in the moment, nothing nothing made any sense at all in the aftermath of Ezra's death. Nothing made sense. Like, could you can you imagine a single moment mm. in the year after he died or even mm -mm. close to two years 
that anything made any sense or like no. was organized in your mind? Or- the only thing that I think I feel like I can go back and feel proud about is that <clears throat> I stayed honest. And even when my emotions felt like brash or strange or awkward, I was still okay with them. Like I didn't feel like I had a choice to be anything other than like a completely upset mom whose kid had died, you mm-hmm. know? And I, I think my family was super supportive of that. Like I would kind of announce like, I'm going to be awkward and upset and cry. And everybody would kind of be okay with that and let me have my space. Um, and that's just a gift of having loving community and people and family around you. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if there was any credit to give anywhere, it was just in the beauty of being honest and being with people you love. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like I can say, oh, we did a really good job at that. You know, like. No, but if we look back at, from my perspective, if we look back on that time and reflect on that, we could have chosen differently. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, there were some pretty dark days there were some where we kind of, I mean, times. we didn't choose good things every day. No. And we both struggled with depression. We yeah. both had some dark and anger. times. Yes. Yeah, it was very difficult. But somehow we came out in, in a good yeah. place. Yeah. It took years. Yeah. But one of the things, do you remember what our plan was when we were driving home before Ezra died? Right. Sell the house and move back up here. Yeah. I mean, we were. Driving the Alcan Highway home from Alaska, and the the game plan was sell our house in Spokane, Washington, turn around, and move to Alaska. Yeah, because we felt like you can't live in Alaska and own a home in Spokane, <laughs> right? Which, yeah. haha. Now we, yeah, now we do <laughs> different house, but yeah. Um, no, that was we were committed. We both loved it. Yeah. And for me, it was so you had been to Alaska and knew it was a part of your dream and wanted to be here. And it was hard for me to make that jump and leave my family. Mm. But when I came, I, I, it was kind of a spiritual experience for me, right? To be in this such a beautiful place. Um, and I believe in a creator. So to be in this just such incredible beauty that I felt was created and felt connected to just really was some fantastic soul work for me. And I remember when we caught our first hen salmon, do you say hen bucks and what do you call it? Bucks and hens. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we gutted her and those sacks of salmon row. The row. Yeah. And it, to me, like, and I, and I am who I am. I can't apologize for it. But I was just blown away by how beautiful and intricate and delicate and just that life would come from that and to experience it and hold it and see it. And I was just blown away. Like, that's all I can say. It was just like awe-inspired. Well, yeah, no, I remember and and, holding and it in the sunlight. Yeah. And it was and like it was a just thousand like, jewels wrapped in lace. It, it was, was like reflecting back down onto the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean. No, that was a magical moment. Yeah. I remember we both looked at each other like, can you believe yeah. this? Like, and and we're incredible. surrounded by these mountains and there's eagles and other people who are just excited about the same place that you're in. And so it did something to me, made a huge impression on my soul. And then, so in those days when Ezra died, I remember like what I held on to was, I believe in a creator and I remember that moment. I mm. remembered the row 
and the mountains. And so it's special to me to be back here. And we <laughs> I cur- swore I wasn't going <laughs> to cry. <laughs> it's okay, babe. This is hard stuff to talk about. Yeah. But it's good yeah. to be back here. And I feel like we've said this before that um, we don't know, we don't exactly know what calls us here or why we feel so compelled to be here, but it just is good. It's really good. It, it's interesting because for 10 years we carried that dream feeling, with us, that yeah. feeling of that longing to return to Alaska. Yeah. And every time we had an opportunity to make a change or to make a move, it just didn't feel the timing didn't feel right. It felt like we were going to be sacrificing too much. With right. we were continuing to have children. I mean, it took and a couple you had of a years. Good job. I, I ended up getting a good job, but it took a couple of years, and we were able to have Hazel. Like we, and mm-hmm. it wasn't able to have her. It was like we were able to come to the place where we were ready to take on the challenge of a new baby, knowing that Babies our last died. baby had died. Yeah, and we were going to try again. Right. And I think that alone took a a ton of courage for both of us mm-hmm. to go into willingly right. and say like, okay, life is too good to be afraid to try, try this again. again. Yeah. And also that our children are such blessings to us. Absolutely. So yeah, people are like, you have five kids all the time. And I'm like, yeah. And I don't know if I can recommend it, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Right. I mean, it's a big, hard job and they're full time. Mm. Well, we have six. I mean, counting. Counting as right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my body did that, you yeah. know. <laughs> so. Which is ama- an yeah. amazing miracle in and of itself. There are days where I still feel it, though, you know. Yeah. Anyway, though. And the twins. I mean, and then there was Hazel and then the twins were the icing on the cake. Yeah, they were the surprise that. I mean, they were a planned surprise kind. The the twin part was very surprising. Surprise. We were surprised. Yeah. I still remember that moment in the, what do you call it when you get the little. Oh, the ultrasound. Ultrasound. I remember I, I was still hold, I was holding Hazel in one hand. I had your purse in the other. You had already hopped up on the. Yeah, she got right yeah. down to business. You like she up was on like, the bed thing. Yeah. And she just started smearing that stuff on your belly and rubbing the little you wand around. You hadn't even sat down yet. I didn't even yet. sat down yet. <laughs> I'm juggling kids and purses and stuff, probably probably like sippy cups. And I just remember behind me on my back turned to you, and I just remember the nurse say, oh, do you see that? Yeah, and there's I was two like, of there's them. two! And I like almost <laughs> fell down because this was, was my so idea. I was so happy, though. Oh, my gosh. I was so happy. This is my idea to have one more. Yes, it was your idea. Because I was like, okay, we have three kids. After Ezra had passed away, and we had a couple of years um, in to, Hazel, to yeah. kind of work through that and then we had hazel which was our first girl which was totally magical for me right because i knew i would be a, a complete what do you call it You're like push over the rest the of hand. my life yeah, yeah. <laughs> worthless dad yeah yeah she still anyway yeah. <laughs> um and so i knew that by just thinking about having one more kid we were going from like hey we can fit it in a full-size truck so mm-hmm. now we're like minivan, full-size SUV. It was going to be a life change, you know. And we went from minivan status to kind of like school bus mm-hmm. <laughs> almost. It was like when the now that they're getting bigger, right? We it do. takes a big I drive a school rig. bus. Yeah, it's the coolest school bus. Well, so. yeah, it's a, we drive an excursion. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So that was a big change and a shocking one that day in the in the uh, ultrasound room mm-hmm. when I almost fell over. When we found out we were having twins. Yeah. But what a joy they've been. Yeah, big time. 
Oh, and man. we still get out there. We have five yeah. kids. So that's what I think um, the other thing that's kind of come up with you getting started with Alaska DIY is when we talk about the move up here. You know, if you've never been to Alaska or you've never experienced or heard from anybody, it does seem like so far away. And people are like, wow, you did that? You moved up there? And they want to hear more about our actual move. Mm. So a year ago, right, we were living our life. You had your job. Mm-hmm. I had I, a good was job. Was this the weekend? I mean, this literally the, might be the weekend we went to BHA Rendezvous. Y- it, I mean, it's pretty close. I don't, I'd have to look at the calendar, but, but yeah, we went to but Missoula. But even a few months before that, like around the first of the year, we had sat down and done this. Oh, what this were the cool. highlight? The highlight yeah. reel this of our like, year before. Yeah, January, February of right. 2017. Yeah. And so kind of what popped up was we had gone on our first family elk camp. In, with everybody, with including everybody. the twins. Yeah, the twins, Mama Bear, Hayes. We all just kind of hung around camp, which... If I'm going to be taking care of the kids, like I'd rather be taking care of them camping than like being at home where there's a laundry machine that I feel obligated to. So we and a just dishwasher. Yeah, and, all of it, all you know, chickens, whatever. So we had the minivan and our 91 Toyota 4Runner. Best adventure mo- adventure <laughs> mobile ever. Yeah, that thing's awesome. And um so we kind of loaded them both down with kids and gear. Our friends were meeting us up in the hills. It was going to be a great weekend. So we got up there. We had like a scattering of like two-man, four-man tents, We were tarps. not, we I were mean, not was, set up to do this It was this rag, shag, tag, whatever you want to call it. It was like interesting, but it worked. We made it work. We cooked yeah. out the back of the minivan, um, and I, it was fun. Like me and the kids, we made fires. We had a blast. You guys rolled into camp when you were hungry or wet or whatever. Basically, it's the end of the day after dark every night yeah but then yeah and so then we would have yeah it was great so highlight reel included family elk camp but the cool just really quick about that elk hunt this was was a big deal oh yeah josiah got his malachi and josiah put him in for cow tags and they both drew muzzleloader cow tags it was that buddy tag where if your buddy draws it you do too yeah it's just a group it's like a group tag um so so i actually did not have a tag so i was hunting for the boys mm-hmm. to shoot, they both had cow elk tags with their muzzleloader, and then our friends had over-the-counter um, spike tags, and that was really fun because yeah. during the muzzleloader season, the bulls were still bugling, they were still chasing cows, they were that's herded right. up. I heard bugling in camp. Yeah, the first night. Yeah, that's right. The yeah. first night there was a bull bugling just over the ridge from camp. So cool. And we just had a blast, and the boys both killed elk with their muzzleloader that right. during that's that right. hunt. So super mm-hmm. highlight for us. That's and the, right. How old were the twins? They were three. Almost. Almost four. Okay. Or they might no, have just turned they four. Just turned they four. just turned four. Just a few weeks before. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, just yeah. a week or two before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you remember Hadley's campfire? Yeah, he had this tiny little campfire. I mean, it, it maybe was like six inches across the circle, but it was pretty windy or breezy. And um, so he built the rocks up so that it was at least 10 inches high or so, kind of created a wind barrier. And then he had this little fire down inside, but he kept it stoked all day. Like he would go gather sticks and pine cones and like just keep it going. And I mean, he was wearing snow pants, puffy coat, staying warm. But he just worked hard all day to keep that little fire going till when did you roll in at one we point? We came in and- long after dark. 
and you showed it to me this little fire ring Tiny it was ring. like ten, like i don't know 10 yards away it was a ways away from the big fire oh yeah yeah he had like picked a spot it was just yeah. like his deal and there's the two little tiny twin chairs were mm-hmm. around it and you told me about it they yeah. said they hadn't left it all day they wouldn't yeah. come to the big fire i gave fire. them marshmallows like whatever <laughs> it was a blast and, and i mean they yeah so stinking cute so that was a big one and then you and me and malachi and josiah went to colorado to meet up with the missouri boys friends of ours who abe had met hunting and we headed down to colorado malachi had a cow tag yeah dad the genius we put him in for the draw for an elk tag in colorado and he could draw either a bull or a cow and i said well here's the deal Let's go and draw, let's draw, put in for the cow tag because you'll probably have a much better opportunity to shoot a cow. And if the hunting's good and it looks like there's a chance to put in for a bull tag in the future, we'll do that and come back and try it again. But we didn't know the area or anything like that. I was trying to be very practical. So we get there and I think after driving a day and a half to get down there and then driving that day and a half to get back on a week, I think we had three and a half days or four days of actual hunting. Mm-hmm. And in that time, we called in a five-point bull to 30 yards on a rifle tag, and it just stood there and looked at us. And we never got another chance at an elk after that. Yeah, and he and hunted he, hard. Yeah. I mean, he was running around. And he just looked at me like, Dad, you have got to be kidding me. Because yeah. he wanted to put in for the bull tag he from did. day one. And I was well, just, I think he knew he had the option. But well, and then he, wanted, he, he did. Me, he wanted. Dad, oh, he I did. I want the bull tag, and I said, okay. "Let's be practical." Okay, yeah, because yeah, so. I thought he had kind of come to that conclusion too. I didn't realize it was like with your prodding. Yeah, that kid has got some good luck, though. Killed a spike elk one year. The next year, he killed the cow with the muzzleloader and then had an opportunity on the raghorn in gotcha. Colorado. That's what gotcha, I'm gotcha, to say. gotcha, gotcha. So he's had a lot of luck elk hunting. Yeah, that's cool. Anyway. So anyway, so those were the highlights a year ago, January. And so we made the the forecast for what was to come. We wanted to do more of the same. Right. So we needed to replace the rig and get a good enough shelter for the family. Mm. So quick, we got right on buying a 16-man Seek Outside teepee, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And then... With the titanium wood stove. Yes. That, yeah, and then sweet. I was taking the kids to the library one day, and my van just, like, exploded. Because I think we broke it when we went elk hunting a few months Maybe. prior. You did try... You did ask me... You took us on that back road that... I had the pedal to the metal the entire time we were going up this hill and we were just spitting rocks that were maybe like three inch, I mean, huge rocks. It was not gravel. I sent you down the wrong road. Yeah. He's (laughs) like, oh, shortcut this way over here. (laughs) Yeah. Shortcut might have been shorter, but it was steeper and rocky. (laughs) Whoops. Good job, dad. Well, anyway, we made it to elk camp, right? But we probably blew up our van. So we, instead of trying to fix the van, we had ma- put it on our list mm-hmm. list to replace the rig. We just started shopping for excursions and we were fortunate enough to find one in Montana, drove over and got it. So by the time we rolled into Rendezvous in April, we had this cool new truck. We had a 16 man seek outside teepee. We were learning about family hunting. We were excited about BHA. Like we were set up to do some really rad PNW hunting adventures, right? Mm-hmm. Pacific Northwest. PNW. Yeah. So then we we get home from BHA. Abe takes that quick bear hunt over to Idaho. Yep. And 
heads into work. I mean, the day that I got back to work after that bear hunt. Right. Because it was on I did it on a long weekend. It was so yeah, and so when you come back from those kinds of trips, like you land, there's camping gear, kids are excited, we have a critter to butcher. And you headed into work that afternoon and we were just trying to like come down, right? You know, there get the kids kind of back into some sort of normalcy. They were so excited. Because we homeschool. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't mention that. Yeah, homeschool. <laughs> we can talk about that later. Yeah. But so then your car comes rolling in like an hour and a half later and I'm like, what? Did he like not? Oh, because I think you were headed just in for a meeting. It was for meetings, which usually they last used, three or four hours. Yeah, and yeah. then you, it was your first day back. So I didn't expect you until late, late. So, and you walk in the door and you're just like, well, lost my job. And I remember like out of, I mean, maybe not the saddest thing we did in moving up here, but like that scared me so much. I cried hard. Like, what are we going to do? Like in that first day, I remember I couldn't even call my mom. I just texted her like, Abe lost his job. I know we'll be okay, but I'm too sad to call you. You know, I won't be able to talk. And mm. it was weird. It was really strange for me. It was really weird walking in the front door of our office building. And I worked for a big global corporation, a big company, huge company. Um, and I worked in manufacturing and we started up a brand new manu- manufacturing plant in Central Washington, so a brand new facility. I'd been there for f- almost four years, and I walk in the front office through the you know swipe my badge, walk in the door, and my boss, the plant uh, plant manager, is standing right there and says, "Abe, I need to talk to you." And we have this meeting room or this conference room right next to the front door, so it's an immediately left into the conference room, and I turn, and his boss is sitting at the table who flew up from California. And, and I'm you're just thinking, like, what did I no, do? I just, I just knew instantly I lost my job. Dang. Like, this is what, cause I've, cause I've had to do this to other people. Right. You know, cause I, you know, as a, in the role that I was yeah. in, I hired and fired people. So I knew exactly what was happening. I just didn't know the why behind it. So it was very interesting, the kind of rush of emotions, but at the same time I was like really calm and like, okay, I lost my job. Yeah, you were calm about it. I was super calm. And so I walk in, sat down. Okay, we're doing layoffs. That was the big deal. It's like, I remember saying to him, I was like, you know what, guys? I am. I feel so bad for you right now because I've been in your shoes and I hate this part of the job more than anything in the world almost. Like I hate, I've had to fire people and I hate it so much. And so anyway, I was just like, it's okay. Like I'm going to be fine. Thanks for letting me know. Thanks for let you know for giving me the opportunity to be here and to work hard, um, which was meaningful work for me in some ways. But I was really happy to leave. Yeah. And going back just three weeks before that, I had started getting up in the morning early. Yeah. And sitting down at the table before the kids woke up, and just jotting a few things down. And one of the things that I would jot down every morning was three things that I was grateful for. And three things that would make today great. <laughs> like if they happened, today would yeah. be a great day. And one of the things that I just started jotting down was like, it would be great to quit my job. <laughs> three weeks before <laughs> this happened. And all of a sudden I was just like, wait a second. I didn't I didn't know how I was going to quit my job or what the plan was going to be. But I walked in and the decision was made for me. The timing was already decided for me. And I walked out with the severance package. It was like the best case scenario for that. Right, how that could go down. Yeah, ever. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. So I think we just started like considering all the possibilities. Like, what are you going to do? Um, we had come upon this opportunity to rent out a shop on our property. And so we just had stored a bunch of stuff in there. We needed to go through it. So we just were like, let's start there. That's, that's an easy, yes, we can say yes to to that. We had to clear it out. So we're going through all our stuff and Abe, you were into all your gear. Like this is the stuff I use to guide in Alaska. Mm. And I remember just thinking like, oh my gosh, right? Like Alaska. And it was through your gear and pulling out the Alaska Gazetteer and... Well, and also that that was the... Yes, definitely that. But also just purging all of our stuff because we started yeah, getting, getting rid of a free. lot of it and like planning a garage sale. And we just had all... We took everything out of the shop that we had put in there in boxes and tubs and just laid it out in big rows on the gravel Con driveway Yeah, Yeah, no kidding. It's what we were doing. Yeah, we were going to conmari the shop. What's that book called? Conmari. No, that's the method. The book is called The Joy of... Oh, tidying up. Yeah. Is that what anyway. it is? Yeah. Um, Google it. Yeah. So I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> so we had read this book about this method where you, you basically unclutter your life. And we were I was looking at all this stuff we'd been dragging around because we had just purchased this this house, this property less than two years prior. Right. And so we were we had just purchased a total fixer upper. I thought we were on the five to ten year program to fix this thing up. It's a log house on forty acres, two shops. It was a really cool property, but needed a lot of TLC. So a lot of this felt very overwhelming, and especially when I started pulling all that stuff around out that we've been hauling around, and I started thinking like, let's get rid of like I don't want any of this stuff. I don't know why we've been carrying this around in our life. And when I made that when I made that decision, like I don't need any of this, mm-hmm. let's get rid of it. And that moment where I was looking through all my Alaska gear, going like, I haven't been to Alaska in four years. This is kill. You know, this is what I want to do. That's when the light bulb went off, and you well, were the one that I, said it. We are standing there in the driveway of the shop, like looking at all of this stuff, and most of it we could easily say to ourselves, like, Yeah, we don't need that. We could be free. You know, and and that whole process is just like your what you get rid of physically frees up a part of your mental space or your emotional space or whatever. I know I went through a lot of like strange emotional release after mm-hmm. we started doing that, which I kind of recommend, I guess. But um, I was the one that said you resisted at I first. Did. You were like, no, we love our house. We have amazing friends. We're not far from family. Like this place makes sense. And it really did. And it, it, it could still. On paper. Yes. And and like even if, I mean, even if our life hadn't changed so much, we'd have been fine. Right. That's like, to me, that's part of the beauty is that like we were in an okay, we were in a good place. Like a very good we're place. We're in a good I felt. place now. We could be back in a good place. Like mm. the options are all good and fine. We are who we are. We will be who we will be wherever we are. Mm-hmm. But it was so amazing to just say, we can do it. Like, we can do it. Like, we have to figure out our house. We have to do this. But I said, you text Jeremy, your boss now, and mm-hmm. say, you got anything? Like, we could be there a year. We could be there five years. Like, let's just see. And he didn't, it didn't take very long. And he had texted you back with dates and we were like, oh my gosh, you like a full guide yeah. season worth of dates. So very yeah. cool. Yeah. And so just a quick aside, Jeremy Rusink, who owns Rogue Expeditions, he and I had hunted, we had guided together the last year, the last um, time that I guided in Alaska was spring of 2012. 
and he was he and I were in camp together working for a different outfitter. Well, in the years be, between that hunt and this day that we're standing there looking at all of our junk on a in a pile, when I texted him, he had kept guiding and built up his outfitting business to where he was doing like outfitting hunts all over Alaska spring and fall had a good operation going and so he's the first guy that I thought of we kept up on social media and he's the first guy that I thought of and you're like just text him you know just send him a note and so I kind of I wasn't totally when I sent him the text I wasn't sold on going to Alaska this is the weirdest thing is somehow in my mind I had kind of relegated myself to this role where I chased my dream for a little bit and now it was time to be more practical. We had so we had five kids now. We were, you know, we had we had moved away from Spokane where all of your family is, but we were still very close. We were like less right. than 2 hour drive. And it just felt like so to me I was telling myself this is so practical. It's so like we're setting ourselves up. We we had a great property and a beautiful house. Um and we got it for cheap and it was just like everything seemed the way it was supposed to be or the way you know the mm-hmm. best compromise that i could imagine in terms of being close to mountains and being close to the river and but having space and having land for our kids to run on and being close to family having amazing friends like you were saying it didn't feel to me like we should just up and go yeah i think that's weird that in the time that we were in central washington where we had moved a little bit farther from my family i got more comfortable with the idea of possibly going, mm-hmm. you know, and you sort of gravitated more towards how I had always thought of like, we can't really leave this behind. How would we leave it behind? What would it look like or attached? It was weird because I felt like I was filling a role that I was supposed to fill. Mm-hmm. And that was the provider for a family trying to balance my desires with the responsibilities of being a good husband and providing for my wife and my family, which meant more than just putting food on the table. It also meant providing emotionally, staying close to family, which Mm -hmm. was very important to you, staying close to cousins Mm -hmm. and very close friends that we had made in that area and and having just having that stability. So I felt like my resistance, I think, came from the fact that I had somehow convinced myself that was the most important thing. Right. And and I mean... When we did come up here, that was the biggest hurdle, right? Definitely. Saying goodbye. Oh my gosh, so hard. I just think like, and even now that we're here, there's so many things to be grateful for. The ways we can stay in touch and just that our family's love can extend the miles. You know, I really believe. And the opportunities to visit and what you provide our family in being able to live your true self. You know, like we valued and appreciated what you, the sacrifices that you made to be where we were. But when the time came, I think we benefit more from you being true to yourself and living out your truth than, you know, staying it out and sticking it out. And I don't know. I like seeing you. Uh, do what you feel so overwhelmingly meant for. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was amazing. That was an amazing moment for me for you to suggest that, and then so weird for me to resist it because that's that was very uncharacteristic of me. We, like right. we were trading 
perspectives or and but then once it sunk in yeah and then it was like perfect. i found and i think it's interesting because like i i said yes to that for you primarily or some you know i guess i had you in mind this would be good for you and it's been really amazing for me to be on this journey and just discover my own strength in that you know that the being on my own having to move the trailer finding adventure for the kids and honoring myself I've been able to I've been able to find like a new me a stronger me a more sure me I've always kind of been a strong person I think I don't know why or I don't even know what that's about I don't even know what it means to be a strong person I think that I just have this new appreciation for myself and what I'm capable of. You are? Well, you are a strong person. It, you're the mama bear. Yeah, I, I guess mean, that. You are. Yeah, I think it's taken you time to feel like, hmm, what am I trying to say? It's like somehow my journey in supporting you, I've perfectly aligned with what I needed to. Hmm. It's not like I'm forcing myself to do this in any way. And I can be honest with the fact that I do miss my family and today is Paisley's birthday. And you know, that, that is hard. There are days where it's hard, but it doesn't make me feel like we're not doing the right thing or the good, a good thing, Mm -hmm. the right thing. Anything's the right thing, you know? It's glorious to be here every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love you. Love you too. I think I started to say something a little bit ago, just to finish that thought. We were starting to get good in the last few years at supporting each other. One of the things that you were awesome about was letting me go hunting and go to the mountains when I, when I needed an escape. One of the things that I recognized that I needed to be better at, and I really worked hard to try to implement it, was when I wasn't going hunting on weekends, is to send you away for a day. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to talk about maybe briefly just because it had made a huge impact in our our relationship, I think. Yeah, and how we function. Yeah, because just as I needed that escape to the mountains, I recognized that you needed to just get out of the house. You're, right. You're a stay-at-home mom who homeschools five kids, holds down the fort while I'm away at work and away in the mountains. And so one of the deals that we made was any weekend that I'm not, that I'm home, you get at the minimum a morning or an afternoon. And most of the times we, we, I tried to give you the full day, mm-hmm. one day to just go do whatever you wanted right. to do. Yeah. And that is really important. And I think that I didn't even really come to the acknowledgement that I needed that until the twins were, you know, three or well, it came well, it started before that. It started after a hunting season, but I don't remember yeah. which one. It must have been like 2015. Yeah. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I don't you remember. You have the good memory. I, I remember there was one was, hunting season where you... See, it was during you, the twin fog. Yeah, <laughs> right. I remember yeah. there was one hunting season where I was gone for a couple of months, like every weekend or almost every weekend for a couple of months. And when I finally settled down mm-hmm. and was home a little bit, you were like, this does not work. Yeah. And we kind of had that a little come to Jesus moment right. where we had to sit down and talk about how can we make this work. Right. And I think that's what we kind of, well, that's what we landed on right. was, okay, you need more time away. So the part of the deal was, is anytime it wasn't hunting season or, you know, working around 
peak hunting season, I guess. Yeah. I I would always encourage you to go because I knew I have to fill you up. Right. Before fall rolls around because right. i'm gonna draw that like if you've got a, a, a fuel tank inside of you right. i gotta fill that thing up to the brim because i'm gonna draw it all the way yeah. down during hunting season i'm yeah. gonna be gone constantly right and so what i would always tell her i was like hey you should go this saturday she'd be like oh, i don't really need to there's some stuff going on i'm like yes but come august <laughs> you don't get to go for three months yeah <laughs> so <Totally>. go now <laughs> you know yeah. and that was like that but that was our deal i wasn't trying to be a jerk right. about it i mean if you needed me during hunting season, of course I would be there, but you were so cool about letting me go. Um, I knew that, well, and I wanted to, like to mm-hmm. me, like I, I appreciated the generosity and because you were being so generous and supportive towards me, I wanted to reciprocate that generosity back to you. Right. And give you that time and away. I think one thing that if I ever had, like maybe I hate to give advice. That's, I don't know what's my place or not, but if I ever knew another person who was struggling with how to let their partner go, I would, I think the times that I've done the best is especially if I know we're coming up on a time away to be sure that I'm focusing on what do I want to do while you're gone. Mm. And while I'll have the kids, it is like still important for me or the best times I have had is when I make sure I'm focusing on, okay, while you're gone, I want to have this book so that if it's a minute to myself, I'll read. Or if I focused on having a sewing or a knitting project or kind of like indulging in some of the things that I want to have around when you're gone so that it's not like you're just leaving me with, you know, I don't know, the mundane every day. It's like you're, you've left me with what I want to do too, you know? Yeah. Self-indulge a little bit, I guess. Definitely. Take self-care. Well, take, care, yeah, self-care. take care of yourself. Or, yeah. And, and also give yourself something to look forward to. Right. And so yeah. like for this summer, I mean, coming up here to Alaska in the RV, um, I, we've always been a little hard on people who had RVs because we were like, <laughs> all we need is a tent and a no sleeping bag. Yeah, I don't need no stinking RV. And then my folks got one a couple of years ago and I'm like, you know, it is kind of nice. Like, I like to have my kids out in nature. Like I like to be out there, but eventually we need to roll in and do some laundry and take showers. And I do like having a home too. Don't get me wrong. But we got this RV. So when we were getting ready to come up to Alaska, we had like kind of one plan for a house for when we landed and it was going to be temporary. And it kind of ended up not working out. And I'm like, Abe, like the week we get to Alaska, Abe was slated to go hunting. I think it was four days later. So I was like, arriving we have got to have a plan so somehow right towards the end we were like let's just get an rv well we had been talking about it throughout the summer because i was working on the house getting it ready to rent out we wanted to keep it we thought we were gonna buy a cargo trailer that's true and come up and park it at a friend's house stay in their side apartment till you were done hunting and then we would find an apartment you're right so that kind of got there it that wasn't necessarily going to work out or it kind of needed to adjust a bit and so we went to visit your fam in boise that was going to be our last time before we headed up and so we went rv shopping and we we were super fortunate we found exactly what we needed i think for a price we could afford and I just got super excited about me and the kids in the Homer Spit campground. Like that was all I could envision. 
But what I'm saying is setting my sights on what we had ahead of us while you were gone just got me excited. Well, there's a little magic going on in there too. Yeah, it was. Because not only did I not quit my job, I got laid off and I I received a severance and, and the timing was decided for me, which worked out to be the exact perfect timing in order to get the house set up and ready to rent out and rent it out and for us to drive to Alaska just in time to start guy season. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. The other amazing thing is we had purchased the perfect, the perfect family hauling trailer pull and oh, rig yeah. without knowing I was going to get laid off and we were going to move to Alaska. Yeah. And we, we did that in January. Mm-hmm. I got laid off the end of April. We we're in Alaska the end of August. Yeah. And so looking back, it's like, there's no way we could, we could have planned that at that time. We had no idea that I was going to lose my right. job when we were going to move to Alaska. But what we bought based on, we had two people, mm-hmm. two big friends, family, big families, families, yeah, who are just like, oh my gosh, you got to get a, a Ford excursion with a 7.3 liter power stroke. It's the coolest rig ever. And so we're yeah. like, hey, that sounds cool. We might someday mm-hmm. want to haul a trailer around right. with all these kids thinking someday was years, you know, in, yeah, in the future. Be prepared, plan ahead. And to me, that's a little bit magical. I love it. Yeah, I totally love it. Because it's not something that we could have planned. Yeah. But it worked out so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And the truck is so good at pulling the trailer that I can do it myself. Like, I feel like I have to give that combo a lot of credit. But I am able to do the camper. Yeah. Yeah, you pull it all over the place, all over Alaska while I'm out guiding. Yeah, the Kenai. We haven't gone north. We're gonna. Yeah, but do you back it up? I do. You pull it into spots and unhook it and hook it okay. back up and yeah, I do. haul it down the road? I do. It's pretty awesome. I feel like anybody who wanted to learn and try could do that. Yeah, but I what I see in you is a lot of confidence that you've acquired in the mm-hmm. last short time, I think. Yeah, but I, that's what I'm trying to say is like it's great how that comes with like finding your niche in the story and then focusing on that and making it your truth just as much as it's somebody else's, you know, like you have it so in you to do well and be good at what you want to do. And I could see myself coming along and just raising these kids pretty feral and exciting and adventure and, and true to myself and true to them. And, and it looked like us in an RV last summer on the Homer spit, which it's funny. It's so amazing to know that like, that's kind of the slum fishing up here. Is it? I don't know. I feel like there are like, okay. So just to explain what you're talking about, it's a, it's a little man-made pond. Yeah. But you can literally pull your RV up to it. So the kids can just be like running around there's this beautiful Kachemak Bay with mountains all around and oftentimes rainbows. Oh, it's gorgeous. You see harbor seals. We've seen whales. I mean, it's incredible. But it is a man-made fishery. Yeah, it's a little pond with an outlet, inlet outlet to the ocean, and they, they stock it every year with uh, kings and silvers. I don't know. Yeah. If they, I think they so stock it with So it was silvers it with when we got too. there. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so. so, and then from there, of course, the dream has evolved into like... I want to get them out on more streams and rivers and we will, but and go north and find fish our grilling. way. Yeah. Get up to Talkeetna and Denali and find our way around. It's fun. Yeah. There's a lot to look forward to. And it's weird because we're on this journey where every day we have moments of doubt 
in oh shadow gosh. and we wonder what are we doing and how does this make sense it's really weird yeah but at the same time i think i believe that we're following our path totally and when you're on your path my experience is it's not the future is not always clear yeah there are hopes and dreams and aspirations that you can look forward to, but there's always doubt. Mm-hmm. I always have doubt. And I always think about what could go wrong mm-hmm. or what might, not, what might not work out or how a situation, you know, like I feel like yeah. that's kind of natural mm-hmm. for me. And maybe mm-hmm. that's just me. It's still scary. Yeah. And my biggest one is about being away from my family, you know, like, but I think on the whole, you know, you only look back the last week and think like, here we are, you know, like this is something we've talked about for 10 years and we're here and our opportunities are big and great. And who knows what the next bit holds, you know, and to some extent, yeah, that's a little scary. I mean, we've, we, we've experienced some pretty tough days, but all you can do is ask yourself every day, like, are you here? And if you're here, then here you are. Yeah, that's a good word. There's another thing, too, that I'm learning, and it's I'm the hyper-rational, real logical one in the relationship. And Jessica's winning me over to the woo-woo side, <laughs> <laughs> which I love yeah, more and, and more. Yeah, and I don't think I'm, like, trying at all. Like, it's, like, I operate in the woo-woo and the magical and the spirit and soul-searching kind of place, so. Yeah, I, I have learned. At f- early on, I feel like I was pretty resistant to that. Mm-hmm. And more and more, the more I, I see the way you approach life and the perspective that you have and then events will unfold in this way and you explain <laughs> you know you'll you'll explain something to me and i'm just like oh my gosh there's some beauty in yeah, it and, for sure and i'm borrowing over some of your like more rational thinking you know and trying to be more mindful to some things you know that that actually could use a little more i don't know but one of the one of the things that we when did we start talking about following the magic I I mean, like for me, that's been in my heart and my mind ever since Ezra died. Mm. I felt like there were these like spiritual gifts that were handed back to me or down to me or from wherever that just sort of strung me along. And then in and then as they started to develop the hindsight of that, it's like, no, there's something there's a big deal here. And I and like at first, I think I imagined him being with God and sort of collaborating to help me stay in a good place on Earth. And that's just grown. I mean, that was the seed. And now I feel like his presence and yeah, I just, it's grown into this big, beautiful mama bear. Yeah. Just how I feel and know. And it's my way, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But we do call it following the magic, sensing the spirit world. That's what I, I mean, that's how it is for me. Yeah. I'm less woo than you still, but I, I, I'm you're like trying to talk over. about it and I like without sounding like a, I don't know. No, it's cool. I dig it. One of the following the magic thing for me is looking forward when it gets scary. Mm-hmm. One thing that I can remind myself is if I look back one year, how much magic 
has happened in our lives and how many things that are unexplained have occurred that just were perfect. Yeah. For our journey and where we were. Yeah. And we found it and we were sensitive to it and we followed that path, I think, because we were true to ourselves. Yeah. Like you or you were saying following our truths. Mm-hmm. And listening to the still small voice inside you that knows. Even, or that that yeah. at least, yeah, knows is a big word, but at least is a, at least wants to be your guide. Even when your rational, logical mm-hmm. mind, it doesn't make sense to that part of you. Mm-hmm. And so I look back over the last year and think, look at the timing and look at what's happened in our life and how oh, something's beeping at us. That's our coffee pot. Coffee pot. Look at what amazing experiences that we have had that we did not plan. And yet everything clicked into place to bring us to Alaska, a place that we've talked about and dreamed about living for 10 years now. And it just happened almost effortless. It wasn't effortless. There was a lot of work and a lot of inner turmoil and and shadow and doubt along the way mixed with hope that it would be good and hope that it would work out. But in hindsight, looking back, it was like, how amazing was it? It was amazing. And so when I find myself facing doubt now, Mm -hmm. that's, it's always dark. It's always shadow, but I can remind myself to look forward and just believe that there'll be magic in the future because there has been in the past. Mm -hmm. Like we've always been okay. Mm -hmm. We've always, I mean, think life, life throws things at you. Mm Mm-hmm difficulties i mean even aside from losing a child right which is in my mind the the lowest of the low and the worst of the worst Mm -hmm. in life on this earth just the little things like a a vehicle breaking down or whatever losing your job losing a job became total blessings Mm -hmm. and so and it took work i mean it took it took a lot of action on our part to make happen what happened but that all good things take work all good things take action all good things you know and I just, I just find myself thinking like, oh, wow, I'm excited for what, mm-hmm. what might come. What's still coming. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because I don't want to slow down and I don't want to go back to the way I've lived in the past. Yeah. Where I was afraid to follow magic or afraid to be truthful to myself. Well, and I think that that's also too, like, um, it reminds me of when people are like, <clears throat> kind of question me, like, is it dangerous what Abe does or whatever, which... I don't know. I guess I don't dwell too much on it being dangerous anymore. But then I pretty oftentimes get asked like, you know, about you being a bear guide. And it's like, I just can't imagine. Let me think about this. You might have to edit here. Um, Something to the effect of like, it would be worse to give into that fear and not follow the magic or the you know, the, the goodness of it, then, then we would look back and just see ourselves bowing out, you know, of the good life or something. I don't know. Something like that. It just, it's like, it also is what keeps us in this place of being up for anything and being up and open and not afraid. And I also think that that, that same like for us, this is what it looks like because we both equally crave adventure. But I think if you crave something different, like if you crave a really cozy home life or you crave a nine to five job or whatever you crave, whatever makes sense to you and feels good, like these same internal messages. And I mean, I think you can still find what's right and good for you 
in the same way. You don't, if you want to be crazy and take your family and a camper to Alaska, then we are the first people to say, yes, you will not be disappointed. But if you are the kind of person that's looking to find your weekend hunts and harmony with your partner, like we, you can find that too. And if you are the kind of person that doesn't want to hunt at all, me, (laughs) and your partner really loves to hunt every weekend, then, you know, everything is possible when you're being honest with yourself. And yeah, no, totally. And honest with your significant other. Yeah. I just definitely don't want to give the impression that we think the only way is to move to Alaska in an RV or something, you know, like I really love everybody's stories equally as much as ours, something like that. Right. Mm. Yeah, (laughs) no, totally. Everybody's on their own journey. Yeah. And I, and I just love people and that everybody finds their way. Yeah. Are you feeling done or you? No. Yeah. I I think we can wind down, but Jessica, you got a poem. Did you just get it today from, from Leah? Yeah. From my good friend. And, and it was in when we thought we were going to try and sit down and do this tonight, which we've tried to do this before and we'll probably scrap this and do it again. (laughs) Right. I think we should do it. We should let like Brad and Heather interview us or something. And all those guys are too much fun. (laughs) Oh my word. Uh, it wouldn't get so deep, but anyway. Um, so yeah, we were like, this sets the tone for like what we would want to say to a crew or a group of people who are interested in listening to Abe's podcast and just his intention to try and be helpful with people who love hunting and love adventure and have big dreams that they need help that they need a launch pad for. So this will be our parting wisdom. Is that good? Okay. The poem is called the invitation by Oriah mountain dreamer. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for. And if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing, It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of just being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you have been opened by life's betrayals, or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own, if you can dance with the wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us, to be careful, to be realistic, to remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you are telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. If you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul. If you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it is not pretty every day. And if you can source your own life from its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, 
yours and mine, and still stand at the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the full moon, yes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done to feed the children. It doesn't interest me who you know or how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where or what or with whom you have studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else falls away. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. By Uriah. I don't think there's anything left to say. Okay, cool. (laughs) I think I'm done too. Love you, babe. Love you too, babe. (laughs) (laughs) This is Alaska DIY. Alaska DIY. (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Alaska DIY. If you are interested in the show notes or if you want to get notifications via the email so you don't miss another episode, I'm going to send you to my website. But before you go there, know I just want to be completely upfront and honest with you. I started Alaska DIY to help some buddies back home who have always dreamed of hunting Alaska but just did not know where to start planning their hunt. So I thought, hey, I can do something about this. And I created this guide called the Kodiak Sitka Blacktail Guide. It's my first product that I put out. I am charging money for it. It is for sale. But here's the deal. I believe in providing way more value than what I ask for in return. So check out the guide. It's 100 bucks. Or I just recently included a new payment option where for $10 a month for a year, so it's 120 bucks, you pay a little bit more. It's the, it's the price of a good six-pack of IPA. You know, 10 bucks a month, you can get that guide. And of course, there's a full refund, infinity money back guarantee, like all that kind of, like, I'm not going to take your money if you're not happy with it. So check it out if you want to. Okay, but this is not a sales pitch. I don't want to, I don't want you to think that I'm pitching you on this. This is if you're interested. If this is a dream that you've ever had and and you're interested in a written how-to guide with links and phone numbers of services and products and all the things that you need from one into the other, even if you've never planned an out-of-state hunt before, it's all in there. If you're interested in that, then you're welcome to go check it out, okay? But I just want to let you know that I'm going to send you to the website in order to get the show notes, and I don't want you to be like, oh, this guy's so sleazy. You know, he's sending, it's like the backdoor sales thing where it's like you tease me with show notes and then you just slam me with the sales pitch. Okay, it's not like that. (laughs) That's not what I'm trying to do. It's just all on one website. So if you're not interested in that, ignore the webpage that says buy now or get a sneak peek. Don't don't look at any of that. Go to huntalaskadiy.com. Huntalaskadiy.com. Go there. Go to the upper right-hand corner. Click on podcast. Okay? That's going to take you to the podcast page where you can stream the episodes and you can get show notes with links of things that we talk about on there. 
Now, if you want to get an email notification so you don't miss any future episodes of Alaska DIY, you can click on the upper right-hand corner where it says, what does it say? I wrote it. Subscribe. It says subscribe. Click there. You can punch in your name and email, and I'll send you uh, a notification every time I'm releasing a new episode so you don't miss one. Now, I will send you an occasional email mainly about stuff I'm learning while in the field, tips or tricks that might help you out when you come up to Alaska and hunt, some potential gear reviews, or maybe less formal than a review, but just stuff I'm trying out and like, hey, this worked really awesome for me. I recommend it if you're coming up here and hunting in these type of circumstances. So if you want more information about Alaska, occasionally, remember I'm in the field about seven months out of the year, you can subscribe to that newsletter as well as get the notifications when the podcasts drop. Okay, so upper right-hand corner podcast, click there for show notes. Upper right-hand corner, subscribe, click there for occasional email plus notifications of, on when new podcasts drop. And then if you don't want to be sold nothing, you know, you're, you've been warned. So just don't look at the main page where it talks about the Kodiak Sika Blacktail Guide, how cool it is, how easy it is to use it. And how awesome the money-back guarantee really... Actually, it doesn't say that at all. It just says, like, money-back guarantee, I think. If you have any questions, you can always email me at abe, A-B-E, at huntalaskadiy.com. Okay, I have a ton of fun recording these podcasts and getting them out there for you folks just to share it with you. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I hope it's been helpful in some way or at the very least mildly entertaining for you and made your morning or evening commute go by just a little bit quicker. Just one more thing before I turn this contraption off. When my children were approaching hunting age, I knew that I wanted to teach them about the tenderness of hunting. There's always been a moment right after I kill an animal that is overwhelmingly conflicting. When I kneel next to an animal that died at my hands, I experience elation, joy, and gratitude as well as love and sorrow. In an effort to mark this tender moment, I began a very simple family tradition. Now when we take an animal's life, the killer kneels and places a hand on the dead animal's still warm body and recites these words, Thank you for your life which sustains us. It's not much, but a reminder to pause in an otherwise busy and exciting moment to show our respect and gratitude. It's also a reminder that the meat that nourishes our bodies throughout the year came at the expense of an individual animal's life. So here is my ask for you. Take a child or a loved one into the woods. Teach them love and respect for all things. Teach them the skills necessary to hunt with humility and to be deadly so that animals do not suffer at their hands. Most importantly, teach them to be grateful for wild places and wild creatures.